Welcome to the Dream Home Movement. This is your weekly dose of Dream Home inspiration with clever hacks and advice from the very best local Dream Home experts, as well as the odd real life Renault story presented by me, your host, Joe Violetta. And we also always have our regular segments, the finance segment presented by Carl and the property geek out presented by Tara. Now tonight we are going to take you through a real life practical guide to renovation from start to finish and I have my special guest Jessica Hennessy from Curl Carpentry to take us through that guide. Now Curl Carpentry if you haven't heard of them they are a high-end residential carpentry business on the beautiful Mornington Peninsula so as I said we're going to take you through start to finish the practical guide to renovating your home all the best tips all the best hints and advice including the all-important where do you actually start and then what do you do next welcome to the studio Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. And we've been talking a little bit before the show about your obsession with houses and gardens. So you've you've got Curl Carpentry, that's your business with Dave, but you've also just, this has been a, like a lifelong love for you, that, which is one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you in the studio. So where did your obsession with houses and gardens start? Well, my parents are builders. Oh, okay. So I grew up on building sites. Uh, after school, on weekends, we were always there helping. The rules about building sites were a little more lax back then as to what they are now. Um, but it wasn't until 2002 when I picked up that very first Home Beautiful magazine. I was 13. I still got a copy of it. And that's really where it all began for me. Wow. So that started at a very young age, mm. but it seems like you've just had it in your blood. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting. A lot of our guests, when I chat to them, I discover that their parents worked in mm-hmm. the building or uh, property industries beforehand and they grew up on, <laughs> they grew up yeah. on work sites. If someone is planning to renovate their home, we'll get stuck straight into the practical stuff here. Mm-hmm. Where do you think would be the best place for them to start? Like what are the first most important steps? So I would say the most important thing to get right is the planning. Obviously the design is the fun part and that's where a lot of people start. But I would ask exactly what I'm trying to achieve and why. So sort of by doing a feasibility study, that would be my first thing. So looking at your budget, how much money are you willing to spend? How much value are you trying to add, if any? And then once you've worked that out, you can build your designs around those answers. It's a good idea to engage with a carpenter or a builder at this stage, even so early on. Right, so at the very at the very start. Yes. Okay. Just for a chat before you invest in getting plans drawn up, and um, before you do anything physical, definitely just invite a carpenter or a builder around for a chat to see if there's some things that need to be included that you haven't considered yet. Um, For example, there might be asbestos that you never even thought of. Um, Get them to look at the subfloor, like if you're on stumps, the quality of those. Um, It's good to have information on any council regulations, whether you'll need a permit or planning. 
um, like building and renovating can be so complex. Yeah, it re- it really can. And I thought it was, I think it's quite interesting that you said, think about what you want to achieve and why. Yeah. That's really interesting because yeah. I haven't heard someone say that you before. You need to know what your long-term plan is for the property. Are you just an investor or is this your dream home one day? You need to know why you're doing it because otherwise you could be throwing all this money at it and not getting back the value that you wanted or hoped. Okay, so that really links then to what you were saying as well about how much money do you want to make on it, if any. So you've got to think, okay, this is what I want the end result to be, but why do I want it to yes. be to be that? Am I planning to live here for the next 10 years? So my why is I want a really comfortable, beautiful family home or my why is I want to sell it in five years or one year or whatever it is and that that's going to change the whole project really isn't it yeah so I think this planning stage is so critical and you really need to arm yourself with as much knowledge as possible so that you can really um yeah understand your feasibility study whether it's worth doing what you want to do it may... To get the results that you want in the long run, right? Because you may just want to move <laughs> if it's not <laughs> if it's not going to be worth it, I guess. Or you need to look at other options. But you also mentioned getting around a carpenter or a builder in those very early stages. Now, sometimes, and this might be my own personal, like my own personal stuff, my own yeah. personal issue. But sometimes I feel like contacting and I've met lots of lovely tradies don't don't get me wrong but maybe before I started this show and I started meeting lots of lovely people sometimes I feel like contacting a tradesperson can feel a little bit intimidating and like I don't know why I'm asking them around like what would I I know this sounds so rudimentary like but what would I actually say to them like if I'd pick up the phone and would I say to them would you like to come around because I'm thinking about doing a renovation? Like, what would you say? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, just ring and say, yeah, exactly that. Um, we're thinking of renovating. I'd love some advice. Can you come around? The thing about, you know, carpenter, carpenters, builders, we love renovating and building and we love talking about it and giving advice wherever. Even if you're thinking of doing a lot of work yourself, Um, it's just so important to get these first steps right. Okay. All right. So you can literally just ring. Just ring. And say, can you. you... It doesn't mean you have to then hire us later or or anything like that at all. Okay. It's all part of it. I mean, we are always doing quotes for people. Um, and in the building industry, you know, it's pretty fairly common knowledge. You'll often do 10 quotes and you'll probably get three or four jobs out of doing 10 quotes. So we are so used to coming around, talking to people about what they want, how to do it, go about it, things they might need to look out for. Yeah. Anything. That's actually, that's a really good point. Cause I know I've, I've called out, I've had someone come around to do a certain job for me before. And then I've sort of said to them, totally unrelated but what do you think about this room and then they've gone no I'm not the person for this you need to contact this person this trade actually does this thing and they've referred me to someone and I've been really happy with the the results so it's because you'd obviously have like a bit of an like you'd know other reputable absolutely yeah and you'd yeah and you'd say no this isn't a job for us this is a job for someone else so it's definitely worthwhile getting some getting 
a carpenter or a builder out in those initial phases, would you have like particular questions that you would ask them when they come out or? I think if you just explain what it is that you're trying to achieve and what you want to do, they will have so many good ideas. Um, Even from design perspectives, I know for ourselves, we're giving so much design advice, things they had not even thought about. For example, um, a lot of people love the floor to ceiling blinds, but they don't think that maybe that needs to be recessed in a cavity in the ceiling and that needs to be sorted in the planning section. Otherwise, you know, it can't be done. It affects your ceiling heights, things like that. So having someone come out and say, you know, have you thought about your blinds? Have you thought about this? You need to tell us that you want these things now, not at the end because it's all, you know, part of the process. It just, it makes the end product so much better quality. Wow, I never, I never would have thought of that. Like at the that very early stage of a renovation, to be thinking about blinds. Yeah, so many people don't, and then they're upset at the end. Wow. Yeah, because, uh, and especially with the modern looks of today, there's a lot of suspended ceilings. There's a lot of yeah recessed curtains and things like that happening. So it has to be done in planning. Okay, so yep. planning is absolutely paramount. Crucial. Yes. Well, that brings me on to my next question. I think this fits in really well. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make when they're embarking on a home renovation? I guess one of them is not planning (laughs) correctly. (laughs) And how can we avoid making them? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of regulations and things like that that you need to know about. A lot of information can be found on your council website. Um, So it's a really good idea to have a look on there. That might cover everything you need to know. Um, But obviously talking to a professional, I think, is probably the best way to avoid making any mistakes. Um, I mean, just this weekend, we visited a client who he'd purchased his home five years ago and now he's ready to renovate. And he was asking our advice about removing some internal walls. Now, this is probably pretty common for a lot of people. They have an older home, they want to open it up, make it more open plan. And we said to him, you know... um, do you, have a, do you know if you have a trussed roof or a pitched roof? And he said to us, I've been up in the roof, it's trussed. And so we, we went around there and, you know, the house was built in the 30s. So oh trusses, wow. I mean, most houses built before the 1960s were built by a pitched roof. So Dave, my husband, got on the roof, had a look, it was a pitched roof. Um, and this... This is so important to know because if if you didn't know that and you pulled out a wall, you could potentially um, have a roof collapse. It's that simple. I mean, truss roofs have load-bearing walls, but a pitch roof, almost all the walls would be load-bearing, whereas a truss roof only just a few would be. So, yeah, you... You really have to know these things before you go knocking out walls because walls need to be re-engineered so that they're strong enough to hold the roof up. So you have to know these things before just taking a sledgehammer to a wall. Wow. So if you don't have that professional to sort of come and say, oh, actually, that that is a pitch roof. This is what you need to do. Um, You could be in for a world of pain later on down the track. Thank goodness that 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 person ended up finding out that they had a pitched roof. 
not yes. a trust room. <laughs> right, that would be a di- one thing, but that would be a disaster. It happens all the time. All right, people, before you knock your walls down, yeah. you Get need a professional to look in your roof. <laughs> yeah, or else you're going to be in a world of trouble. You'll you'll have to buy a yurt and live in the backyard for a while, some sort of fancy tent. I don't I don't know. <laughs> so other other mistakes that people make. Well, I think it's mostly in the planning. So every detail needs to be considered in the design phase. Um, It's so much cheaper to make changes in the design phase. Uh, Just for example, a PowerPoint, it might be 60 bucks or something to get it added onto a plan. But if you're midway through a build, you could be looking at, you know, upwards of close to $1,500 to get a new PowerPoint put in. So it makes sense to go over every little thing in the planning stage. So really, like really get detailed, like really get... even like um, vanities and the basins. So a lot of people sort of not double check these things. They might just go, yep, vanity's going there, great. But then look at the specifics about the heights because some people might want an inbuilt basin and some people want the basin on top but that changes all our heights and we like to put noggins or timbers in the walls behind so that we can attach all these things on so that all has to be done in the frame stage so if it's you know towards the end of the build and you're like oh actually I really like this basin and then we're sort of like you've made this really hard for us (laughs) um yes so planning Planning, get yep. really granular. Don't feel like you're being too Ask so too many detailed. Questions. Ask yep. so many questions. Yeah. And so you've really got to have quite a clear vision of what you want it to look like in the end. But I really like your point about with the wall socket was such um was such a good example that it could cost you sixty dollars at the start. Mm-hmm. But if you decide you want it halfway through, it could cost you, you know, a couple of grand. Yeah, potentially. Potentially, and it's it's reminds me of uh, our accountant. So our accountant does a lot of work with property investment, and she always says to her clients, "You need to see me before you even think about making a purchase, because we need to structure things correctly. And it's a lot easier to set them up correctly in the first place than to yep. fix them up down the down the track like structuring ownership and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. so it's the same with your renovation it's the same with your your build you need to uh, get it all right at the very start yes. um, yeah. things can be fixed I'm sure Absolutely. but it's more difficult and more expensive yeah. yeah and I mean something else to consider as well especially if you're uh, extending is a lot of people don't just when they're designing and they're sitting at their home and they think, oh, let's extend out the back and we're going to do this. And I mean, you have to understand that a property has a building envelope on it, which is like the spot on your land where you can develop and you can build. So you can't really go out of that. If you do, you're going to have to apply for special planning permission, which you might not get. It's very challenging to build outside of that building envelope. And then there's other things like easements on your block. You can't build over an easement. So that's where all the services are. The council have to be able to access that. And there's so many other um, restrictions and overlays and things like that. So you really have to figure all that stuff out at the start before you even start making um, some plans. Okay. So understand what 
is actually what you're working with yeah what you're working with I like that yeah. what, what you're allowed to do and yeah, yeah I, I love that I feel like we are going we are going to need in the future and I'm now I'm saying this live on air so you can't back out we're going to need another episode just on extensions yes I, I feel like we need a whole like dedicated episode on on extensions seriously do you do an extension do you go out do you go up do you yeah yeah whole whole lot that's a that's a big topic <laughs> and what are your tips apart from planning for a successful renovation what what do you think we need to the the feasibility stuff figuring out if what you can achieve is within your budget um doing all your homework and understanding all your regulations and things like that asking a professional advice having a beautiful and functional design mm. that's obviously important um and yeah just every detail needs to be considered and then picking tradesmen that you really in you know you get along with well you trust um you've seen some of their work and yeah you really respect and you can trust them with your house yeah yeah so okay so and I think a lot of that would go on. You want to look at their work, but you need to meet them, don't you? Absolutely. Because it, it's like... You have a, to build a rapport. I think so. Yeah. I think that's really important because they're going to be in your home. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know straight away if somebody's on time, they've got a clean uniform, um, just the level of respect. I mean, this is your home and they're coming into your home. So you really want to choose somebody that, you know, you can trust that's, going to listen to you and respect you and your home and your family and your things and yeah get you the results that you want how can we make our homes beautiful but still practical for everyday life and I'm asking you this question one because you've had this obsession with <laughs> this obsession with houses and gardens for quite a while now, almost a couple of decades, I think. A while anyway. <laughs> Since you were 13 and also you've got two little ones at home, so you definitely know about how to uh, make your home practical, like the realities of having little kids at home. So yeah, what can we do to make it beautiful but practical? Um, so I would say adding as much natural light as possible. Um, sometimes this can even just mean a cleverly placed mirror. just makes all the difference to reflect some light around. Um, good choice of materials. Like I'm a huge fan of engineered timber flooring. It's so beautiful, but it's not very practical for a family because it does scratch, especially if you have dogs and you can't sand it back like you can regular timber flooring. It's becoming really popular, this engineered what it, I, don't, I don't now I'm a bit of a novice mm -hmm. when it comes to flooring in particular so what what is engineered timber flooring is um is it, it like looks like flooring from to the average person but it's sort of like a ply oh okay Plywood with like a, a veneer on top it looks like real timber but it's not but it, it's we're putting in um we've noticed a lot of our clients have used it Okay, yep. so it's where maybe you've got tiles originally and then you've put something on top or? Uh, you, well, that's sort of floating that's floor. That's floating floorboards, yep. okay. This is just something you would put down. It, it really is beautiful, but it's it's not practical. And yes, it is more like a ply. So even with mopping and things like that, um, yeah, you've got to use special mopping techniques because you don't want to get it too wet 
Okay, so it will swell. Oh, okay, so it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. But if you've got kids or pets, it might be not not the right thing for now. Yes. Maybe for another time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, thinking about flooring, what other things can we do to? Uh, Having ample storage, and that includes a really good size laundry. I think these European laundries I see pop up, they're just not up to scratch for families. Oh my gosh, can I just, okay, can I just tell you, so we, regular listeners will know that we've just moved and the house that we're living in now is not a permanent house that we're, that we're sort of in transition. It's a lovely, we're in a lovely house. It's gorgeous, but it's, it, the thing that's bugging me a lot about it is that we have a combined laundry bathroom. Can I tell you? It's a nightmare. <laughs> it's really hard. Yes. It's really hard and I don't want to see dirty clothes in my in my bathroom. So I just feel like I'm spending my entire existence doing laundry, which I was doing beforehand anyway with a family of four. I don't know how my friends with three and four kids oh, <laughs> manage their, their laundry. But yeah, I'm, I'm a fan because we've moved from a house that had a very big, very spacious, beautiful laundry to a combined bathroom <laughs> laundry. Yeah, and... I don't know who thought that would be a good idea, but it's not. <laughs> oh, it's doing my head in. Yes. <laughs> not with kids. Yeah. Not with kids. Yes. And then I guess the other thing would be just never underestimate the importance of your garden. Like the garden is really what makes the house, I reckon. It can make such a difference. Oh, I, I, I agree. You, yeah, how you use the space, everything. I agree because if you've got a lovely, and it, you don't necessarily need a huge garden, but if you've got a lovely outdoor area, it's almost like you've got another room, mm. isn't it? Ab- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And having a beautifully landscaped front garden, it adds street appeal. And even if you're not selling the house, you just feel nice when you're driving in, just mm. like, ah, this is, yeah, good. Yeah. That's what really sets a house off and it makes it so different from every other house. Especially with kids, that outdoor area is super important. Yep. Okay, so we've got practical floors, yes. <laughs> a big laundry, lots of storage space, and uh, and also having that lovely outdoor area and lots of natural lighting. Lots of natural lighting. That's a really good. That's a really good point. In our in our old house, we had a massive mirror, lots of big windows, and it just made such a, a difference. difference. Yep huge difference to the feel of the house as well as well as the the look so there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool trends at the moment some of which we've spoken about today Hampton style is huge on the peninsula at the moment but I think it's always interesting to kind of look back in time as well so if you had to pick an interior design or architectural style from a bygone area but bygone era I should say so something from the past what would be your favorite well I would have to say that I absolutely adore anything from Italy okay yep there's just so much art history beauty life and there's just that vitality over there I just can't get enough of have you been to Italy? Nope. I haven't it's so either. High on my list, it's not Me funny. <laughs> yeah, there does seem to be a very luxurious. Just the gardens and everything over there is just, they put so much thought and love and attention in. Really? It's like everyone who lives over there is an artist. Yeah, it feels like that. Like there's a, re- a real appreciation for beauty and the finer things. Yeah. 
in life. Yeah. <laughs> we have some listeners in Italy, so pop on to the Facebook <laughs> page and show us some photos of of your beautiful homes and gardens. We would love to see them for inspiration and then we'll get really jealous and it'll inspire us to come over and visit. And we have our signature question that um, that we ask all of our guests. What does the phrase dream home mean to you? <laughs> well, for me... A dream home is all about how I feel when I'm in it. I used to think a dream home was like this hugely expensive, almost unattainable home that I'd see on Pinterest or, you know, that sort of thing. But then I sort of realized that although it's great to have goals, it wasn't making me feel really good right now. And um, focusing on this house that I probably would not ever achieve was and putting down what I kind of have right now um, it's not very healthy. So now I'm all about um, a dream home is really one that's just a pleasure to be in. And anyone can achieve that, even if you're renting or in some place not quite so ideal. So I think it's it does mean upgrading your environment. And sometimes a reno might be in order, but I think there's lots of other ways to make your home a dream home and have so much fun being there. Like putting on music, candles, family, laughter, good food. Maybe it's making an amazing alfresco like the ones I have in Italy that I love um, to just enjoy. It's about creating like a pleasurable atmosphere, not just aesthetics. They're important too, but it's about the whole picture. I love, I love that. Love where you live right now. Yes. Yeah, because sometimes, I mean, I, I love having goals and aspirations, but I suppose there's got to be that, that balance, hasn't Definitely, it? And you've yep. got to... And I, everyone... It's so easy to fall into that that trap of um, like comparing and despairing. You know? Yes, yeah, and kind of thinking, well, when I get this, yeah. I'll be happy, yeah. and things will be good once we've got that. Yeah. No, it's right now. Yeah, things can be good right now. Yeah. Things Absolutely. can be good right now. Yeah. Bring some indoor plants in. Cook a beautiful smelling pizza because we're talking about Italy. Things you can do every day. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my that's what I think a dream home is. That's the dream life. I love that. Yeah. I love that. That is actually the most unique really? answer to that question we've ever had on the show. <laughs> it is. It is. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you tonight and I feel like I know that all of our listeners would have got a lot out of that. I know I did. Uh, lots of practical tips that we can take away and we can implement that will make a difference. So I really appreciate your generosity in well. sharing that. Uh, I do have another question for you though. Um, before I let you go, and before I ask you where people can find you and all that sort of thing, I've got to tell our listeners about this guide, right? Because we've kind of touched on, uh, like we've gone into a bit of detail into it, like a practical guide of renovating, but there's so much more to learn. But sometimes it can feel really overwhelming because there's so much information out there on the internet, for example, and it's hard to kind of organize it and just know where to start so you've put together this really cool guide haven't you can you tell me what is in the guide yes we we noticed so many people were wanting to renovate or build and they just felt so out of their depth like they just did not know where to start so we wrote the guide for people in that situation um so it can be found on our website which is 
curlcarpentry.com.au and you just click on the services section and then there's like a little link that says click here and that will take you to it. But it covers everything from the design process to your plot of land. Um, it talks about those building envelopes and easements and restrictions and cancel town planning. It goes through different design things that you need to consider that you might not have thought of. It even touches on being an owner builder and where to find more information on that. Um, permits, planning, who to hire to do the job, quotes, payment schedules, um, building contracts, everything you need to know for that. Um, what your responsibilities are during the build as well. Variances, like what are they and how they work. And then defect list and final walkthrough, all the things to consider for that. And then uh, handover, which is the very last day when you pick up your keys. Oh, perfect. So it yeah. takes you from... All the way through, from start to finish. Love it. Love that. And I'll let you know, it's not, it's very comprehensive, but it's not arduous to read. So I had a, uh, last night I was researching for the show and prepping and I read through the guide and it didn't take that long and it was an easy read and it just felt, to me when I was reading it, it felt like my, my like my girlfriend was talking to me who's a few steps ahead of me if that if that makes sense like I was having a coffee with a girlfriend she was like okay Joe, this is what you need to do and so it doesn't yeah it doesn't it's not overly technical but it's still detailed and professional if that if that yeah. makes sense so do go and have a look at that guide print it out and use it like your little your little handy handbook I suppose when you're when you're thinking about doing a renovation it's what well worth it. Get your highlighter, highlight bits of it. It's fantastic. So we can find that on the website and it's curl. So C-U-R-L carpentry. So like curl is in curly yes. Do you hair. know why we have that name? Why? That's because my two daughters and my husband have really, really, really curly hair. Do they really? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Off air, I'm going to show you a photo of my natural hair because really? it is extreme curly and we'll see who's got the curliest Deal. yeah <laughs> i love that you named it after <laughs> after there <laughs> that's gorgeous i love it now where else can people find you or get in contact with you yep so we're also on instagram which is just curl underscore carpentry and facebook which is also curl carpentry Oh, that's easy. Yeah. That's easy. Very good. Well, thank you so much for coming in tonight. When we come back from the break, I'm going to chat with Carl and he's going to share with us what sort of income will lenders accept on your home loan application. We are heading into the finance segment with Carl Violetta. Carl, are you there on the line? Yes, I am. <laughs> Hello. Hi, how you doing? Good. Now, my question for you tonight is what sort of income will is accessible on a home loan application? So what I mean by that is, and I suppose for a property investment finance application as well, what sort of income will the banks or lenders accept at on your home loan application. Does that make sense? Am I asking that question clearly? Yeah, yeah, okay. you are. Thank um, you. 
There are lots of different types of incomes that banks accept when you're applying for a home loan. The most common one is income from your work. Banks accept those and they like those because it's a lot easier to, to digest and read. Many jobs attract overtime. They accept those as well. Many jobs, like in sales, attract commission bonus, um, commissions. So they accept those as well. Uh, with overtime and commissions, they do only use 80% of the value of, of those incomes. Those incomes are annualised. So annualised means that they work out what the income looks like on the payslip and then they annualise it over a, a 12-month period and then they, they discount it by 20%. When someone applies for a home loan, what sort of evidence, and they're a PAYG, so they're, they've, mm. they're paid by an employer, what mm. sort of evidence does the lender ask for to prove their income? Do they ask for tax returns or do they, do they just ask for a couple of payslips? Two payslips and a group certificate. What if the payslips that you give them don't have the bonuses or the commissions on that you've earned? How would they know about that well they generally wouldn't accept it because it's not it's not paid to the employee then if it's not being paid through the payslips yeah but what if it was paid on a different pay so you're showing it has it got to be your two most recent payslips or can it be any two payslips so i'm just thinking if the bonus was paid six months ago but in, like in that same financial year but it wasn't on your two most recent pay payslips <laughs> Yeah, so it'll show up on your year-to-date figures on your two most recent payslips. Ah, okay, of course. All right, that, that makes sense. Okay, that's easy. Mm. That's good. Mm. What What if you're not PAYG? So what if you're uh, self-employed? How how Will they accept self-employed income? Absolutely. The, the most important thing for self-employed is the ABN. So most self-employed, not most, all self-employed will have an ABN. And the ABN will need to be registered for two years or more. So that's number one requirement. And number two, for most banks, they annual uh, they uh, average the two years. So, for instance, if you had one year that was income of say fifty grand, and then uh, another year, uh, the later year you. Uh, had $70,000, they add those two incomes together and then they average the two years and then that's the income that they use for the home loan. Okay, so they'd be saying sixty grand a year. Yeah, yeah. roughly. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, some banks will just go the, the later year, so they'll use the 70000 Okay. Um, other incomes from, you know, the government, like Veterans Affairs, they accept those. Income from Centrelink, um, it's... Not all, in, not all incomes from Centrelink are accepted. The ones that they generally are comfortable to accept are permanent disability, family tax payment part A and B, and carers payment. Those are those are the safe ones to 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 use if you know you are uh, eligible for any of those incomes. Any other incomes from Centrelink would, would be taken on a case-by-case -case basis or, or not accepted at all. If you have a shared portfolio and you earn income from those, they accept those. Um, income from shared dividend. We use tax returns to verify what those income look like. 
Um, if you're a retiree um, and you've got superannuation, then they accept those two. So income from the superannuation fund, from from uh, uh, what's being paid directly to them. Um, and again, tax returns is what banks like to use to verify those income. If you're buying an investment property or if you've got an investment property, then rental income from the investment property is also accepted as well. Okay, so it's, it goes beyond just what you earn in your business or what you earn from your employer. Mm. What about, I've got some of my friends that do multi-level marketing stuff. So like they mm-hmm. might sell Avon or one of my girlfriends used to sell, I don't know, I, have, I don't know if the business is still around, the product is still around, but they were like these stick-on nail things, jamberry. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, you don't need all that detail. Just basically, if someone is in multi-level marketing, so they're making some income from home, for example, Tupperware, whatever, is that, can you put that in on your Homeland application? Uh, I think they have to send an invoice to collect those commissions or those income. Okay. So they would be classified as self-employed. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, so as mentioned, self-employed, ABN needs to be registered for two years or more and uh, they have to provide tax returns for those income. Okay, what about, uh, I've got one more question because <laughs> these are all things my friends have, have asked me. Like, Can you check with Carl? What about another one of my girlfriends, she umpires footy on the weekends and she actually gets paid for it. She can put, and she's got like a full-time job as well, nursing, but can she put in the the footy umpiring income as well? Yep, as long as we get a group certificate from the club that she works for and a group group certificate and pay slips, then yeah, and, and that income would need to be in place for over 12 months. Okay, perfect. So the moral of the story is, people, you need to look at all the income that's coming into your your family or coming into your home and make sure that you let the lender or the broker or whoever you're applying for your home loan with know about it. Let them know about the cricket umpiring or the footy umpiring on the weekend that you might get a little bit of cash for it because I guess every bit counts, doesn't it? It all sort of adds up to... Um, put your best foot forward when you're applying for that home loan. Exactly. Yeah, we need we need to know about all the income. It could make a difference. Oh, absolutely. Every every dollar counts, as I say. Well, thank you so much for that. That was super informative. And if people want to find you, they can head on over to your website, which is Violetta Finance. So it's just got one T. It's like the color violet with an A at the end. .com.au, just Google Violet of Finance, and we can see your face all over Instagram and um, Facebook as well, much to your despair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, and we will chat with you again next week. No problems. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Bye. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get hold of Tara. She is at an event tonight and I'm just guessing that it might be a little bit loud and she hasn't been able to hear the phone, but we will have her next week doing the property geek out for you. I do apologize. 
Uh, this actually brings us to the end of our show. But before we go, I want to give a couple of shout outs. So the show is broadcasting live today in July on 98.7 RPPFM. But we also make the show available as a podcast. So if you ever miss a live episode, you can listen to the podcast. And I know that we've got some listeners that only listen to the podcast. So hello, thank you for tuning in. And I would like to give a shout out to all of our live listeners, but I'd also like to give a shout out to our podcast listeners. And what I like to do every show is recognize the suburb or the town or the city with the most listeners uh, this week. So I want to give a shout out to everybody listening in Mornington, which is which is pretty cool because the studio is, at, is actually located in Mornington. We had the highest number of people listening in Mornington. We love you guys. And also everyone listening in Broadbeach. And I have an inkling that I know who some of those people might be because Carl, who presents our finance segment, uh, grew up in Broadbeach when he moved to Australia. He li- He's a Gold Coast boy. So hey to all of Carl's <laughs> friends and family listening to the show and anyone else in Broadbeach Thank you so much. I really appreciate your support. And one international shout out to everyone listening in the Netherlands. Thank you so much for tuning in. We stream worldwide and uh, yeah, we've got a global audience, which I'm so appreciative for. If you enjoy the show, please pop on to wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts is a really good place to go to leave us a review. Please leave us a lovely five-star review. You don't understand how important that is and just what a difference it makes. It helps so many people find us and really get the show out there so we can help Lots and lots of people create their, create their dream homes and their dream lifestyles. Thank you so much for tuning in. Jessica, thank you. Your mic's on. Thank you again for coming into the studio. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Make sure you come and say hi to me on Facebook and Instagram. That's it for now. Bye.